Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. So much to talk about this week. Big news from Fall Out Boy and Paramore. But first, we're going to talk about the Vans Warp Tour, which will be coming to an end in 2018. End of an era is an understatement. All right, let's go. All right, let's knock out some listening questions. We are getting backed up here. Sounds good, man. Our first question comes in from listener Nick C, who writes into notescene.gmail.com. Nick said, well, Nick actually has two points to make and then a question. Um, Nick says, hey, guys, I wanted to start off by saying I really enjoy the podcast. However, I can only hear about Taylor Swift so much. <laughs> what is with all the talk about pop music? Our industry is in turmoil and is legitimate, and I'm legitimately concerned for it. And we're talking about Taylor Swift halfway through a podcast titled Emo is Canceled. It's just my opinion, but I still enjoy the show for what it is. Um, you're right, Nick. Uh, Tyler and I obviously adore pop music, and I think we can take it a little too far at times. The Taylor thing with that week was sort of, we were feeling pretty down on the scene, and I think we kind of got through as much as we could stomach of all the talks of all the allegations and all that bullshit. And the Taylor record coming out was kind of an escapist thing for us, and I think that was kind of our intention with the show, was to... um, make it an escapist thing for our listeners as well because we were just kind of, we were just kind of like fuck the scene that week like you know we got through the allegations we could and then we just wanted to talk about taylor but you're totally right we get way carried away you know the pop story will always live live and will always be there <laughs> but it should be the quick hit story that it was always intended to be and we will try to be more mindful of our pop talk in the future. Um, Nick and any other listeners, you know, feel free to put us in check if we ever go off the rails, which, let's face it, we probably will again at some point in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. As, as this scene dies, it's getting harder and harder, you know, <laughs> oh, not to look away towards other places of music. Um, also, though, when it comes to Halsey or Lord, you guys are kind of stuck with them. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's just Nick's the way next, it is. Absolutely. Nick's next point. Um, also, if you're going to talk about things on the podcast, such as allegations, provide a little more context, please. I understand that you don't want to be associated with spreading the rumors or tarnishing someone's name, but I sort of use your podcast to keep up with the scene as I don't have time like I used to to follow the blogs and such. I listen to the podcast on the way to work so I, can, so I can't exactly Google what the hell you guys are talking about while I'm driving. First off, Nick, I'm really happy that you're using our podcast as a news source like that. Totally. It's helping with your commute. That's really dope. But um, it's not so much about tarnishing someone's name. I was vague on purpose on that episode, and it's more for legal reasons. Um, You can get sued for defaming someone or slander or saying things like that. And as 
as a former journalist who's been threatened and knows journalists who have been sued by musicians, it's something I don't take lightly and I don't fuck around with. So I will not be putting my head on the legal chopping block to save you from doing a Google search. That is where I draw the line. Totally. It's it's <laughs> difficult to understand and I totally get where Nick and other listeners are coming from that I've talked to about uh, this past episode. But Matt and I worked in a world where being sued is essentially normal and mm-hmm. it's honestly terrifying at some point it, so and it, it, we don't have a giant publication like alternative press with an entertainment lawyer right. backing us anymore so we have to watch what we say that's all it is and sure. um the information is available available on the internet and you're gonna have to look for it in that case hopefully though we don't have to have too many of those fucking episodes i'd rather not you hopefully know, man um on the next question. Okay, Nick says, after all this bitching, I do have a question. With all that is happening with our scene right now, allegations, warp tour changing, our favorite bands putting out shit music, and low album sales, do you think the industry will actually die? How can it be saved? What will be the final nail in the coffin? Thanks for doing what you do. Um, I think, yes, Nick, it's dead. It has finally died. And um, I think Warp Tour was the nail in the coffin. That's kind of my short answer. It's over, man. Like, this is the beginning of the end to me. How about you, T-Sharp? The ship is, is currently taking on more water than ever before. And um, if you've listened to the podcast... You even... already hit the fucking iceberg, man. Like, we're yeah, going down. Yeah, the Titanic is sinking. It's time to grab a life raft. We've talked about it all year. We talked about it before Warp Tour started when we were talking about the lineup. We talked about how all the biggest releases, most anticipated albums of this year have essentially failed. There hasn't really been a massive success story. And the one that you could argue has just been, you can go listen to last week's episode to hear about that one. (laughs) There's just the light at the end of the tunnel looks dimmer now than it ever has been before. And um, we're going to get into this more during our warp tour talk. So I don't want to spoil it too much, but take Matt's short story. It's, it's time to get what you can and get out because things are not looking good right now. It was already dark. And then we lost the most important thing to the scene. Yep. So, you know, just take that as you will. And you can assume like, dark times from here i feel like note to scene will be shifting into a phase of uh, of covering the demise of the scene i think i think we're, we're entering that phase of operations here okay let's move on our next question comes in from listener sarah f who writes in hey guys i absolutely love your podcast and listen to it on the way to work every tuesday when it drops in australia Shouts to all our Australian listeners. Hell yes. I was wondering what your thoughts were on the Hoteliers, Home Like No Place Is There. Personally, it's a 10 out of 10 album for me. Do you guys enjoy it? And were you also upset by the band's departure from their previous sound in their follow-up? Love from Down Under, Sarah. Um, Sarah, we are so glad to be a part of your morning commute. Commutes are a bitch, and that honestly warms my heart to hear. As far as the Hotelier goes... Um, and it's not for me and this is not an indictment of your musical taste in any way Um, that record is very well respected by a lot of people I know and like and respect and a lot of people also say it's a 10 out of 10 album but and I've tried and I've tried to connect with it I just have never been able to I don't know what it is I'm missing I don't know if I'm just not that you know second wave emo person that liked Weezer's Pinkerton and just couldn't get into this kind of thing but that record 
it, it was a weird spot I found myself in where that record is just, you know, it got universal critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Most people will say it's the best, most established music critics will say it's like the best emo record of the last like 10 years or something. And it just never connected for me. And um, you're, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not cool enough, I guess. <laughs> um, so when with regards to them moving on, by the time, you know, I checked it out when they moved on to the new sound, but that to me, that was even less relevant. Um, how about you, T-Sharp? Yeah, I'm in the exact same place you are with it. We've talked about this album off the show before, and I, I was bummed during its release campaign, and, and everyone I knew was talking about it, and I was just like, what am I missing? Because I'd sit down and I'd listen to these songs when the singles were coming out, and i sit down and listen to the whole album front to back, and I'm like, I'm just missing it. I, I, I'm in the exact same boat you are. I, I, that music just doesn't appeal to me personally, but obviously it was a very important album for that world and it's, they're critic darlings. Like that's exactly what that band is. And it is a shame. Peak peak emo revival. For sure. That's, that's the emo revival album. Everyone will point to as like the beacon of the emo revival, the totem to it. Absolutely. And it's a shame that they fell off so much with that second album because there was some genuine hype there. I mean, it wasn't like Mm -hmm. commercial yet, but it felt like it could kind of get there in the future if they kept the momentum going. But that second album really fell off. Yeah, they were one of those bands that they were just never really actually that big, you know, and they got they got all of the attention they didn't necessarily deserve. They really weren't that big of a band. So when that record came out, there wasn't, you know, it, it, it was the same, you know, hundred hundred critics and really dedicated music fans on Twitter talking about it. You Absolutely. know what I mean? It, it wasn't a big fan base. Nope. But uh, we got to move on. We thank uh, Nick and Sarah for writing in. If you have any questions, feel free to send them in to notesceneatgmail.com and we will answer them on the show. But we got to move on, Tyler, and hit our main story this week, which is Warp Tour. So the Vans Warp Tour announced that it is coming to an end. 2018 will be the final run um this is kind of crazy news tyler this was too much to handle this week man <laughs> yeah we, i mean we, we started we we had a bad week you know and then this happens and you know let's face it attendance was way down absolutely we knew I, that much at least and we knew it going into it if you go back and listen to our episodes where we talked about the warp tour and the lineup and then we did a rumors episode and multiple segments dedicated to the upcoming year of warp tour and we Mm. said it doesn't look good because they don't have big bands that can carry the tour they had i prevail neck deep beartooth those were your three biggest bands and beartooth wasn't even on the full tour so you had i prevail and neck deep i prevail don't even want to be here we're finding out the neck deep hype is false because they released a shitty album the second time around and they couldn't follow up their peak you know, I think well, they they sold a lot of records, so they, I think Neck Deep like were the one band that actually had success on Warp Tour. But it was, that year, it turned out to be false yeah. because people aren't really backing the record. Yeah, but I, I think they had a decent run on Warp Tour. I, I just think I just think all the other headliners didn't. I think they were the only one that really had any success. I would agree with that to an extent. I think um, they wrote a fan. I mean, they sold 30,000 copies first week. I know. know, The hype was there. But the warped run worked. If you notice, that album has sold like 39,000 since then, since the end. Yeah, because it's shit. 
<laughs> exactly. That's my. That's just the point I'm trying to make. Like the yeah. the hype was. But I'm, I'm talking about in the context of Warp Tour, right? Not they in the context of post Warp Tour. They had a good run, but it's just this, that band shouldn't carry that tour. That band should yeah. not be the biggest band on the tour, and that's what we right. said at the beginning of summer. And uh, look where we're at now. I don't have stats to compare from every date from 2016 to 2017 some of them just haven't been released to the public but as far as the box office tickets that i've compared and done the math on it's upwards of 50 percent drops at some dates it's rough to say the least there are a lot of dates where only 5,000 kids showed up you know 6,000 kids showed up out of a 20,000 ticket warped tour where you could do 10 to 15 to 20,000 you know in the peak days it's it's right, and you know, we get into the why this specific warp tour was so bad. Um, and you kind of mentioned it, Tyler. There were no headliners, you know, no Pierce, no Day to Remember, no Bring Me, no Sleeping, even no Mayday, right. no fall, you know, no Falling in Reverse, even like you, like you needed the big bands and they just weren't there, you know. And and Kevin chose to put Neck Deep and I Prevail on, and we just knew it. And then bringing on the old bands, we knew it was going to sink, we knew this tour was going to be a disaster. And it was. And getting back to the why, one of the things I kind of wonder is, you know, there was all the controversy with Warped Tour. The last three years, you know, you've had everything from Front Porch Step to Johnny Craig, the infamous fucking town hall gathering, which was just... Don't remind me, man. was an insane thing to cover at AP. We've had, you know, the the Dickies outburst on stage. And I'm just, just totally me speculating. I wonder if Van's wanted to pull the plug on their sponsorship finally like do you think is there a possibility here that vans was like it's time to distance our brand from this this environment that is getting toxic do do you think that's possible i think it's absolutely a possibility i don't want to speculate too much because i don't know for a fact but when you put everything into perspective it's absolutely a possibility because at the end of the day warp tour has downsized like tenfold at this point it's crazy not only was it downsizing, it was just, you know, whether you agree with it being toxic or not, it was being attacked by the right, media. Right. You know, it was, it was getting, getting ne- bad Warped publicity. Was getting negative press. And do right. you want your brand vans? At what point do you say, ugh, For sure. vans, we're doing pretty well. We got damn Daniel. You know what I mean? Like, do we need Warped Tour anymore? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's that breaks my heart, man. Do we need Warped Tour anymore? Because that's what it comes down to with sponsors. Yeah. One of Lyman's quotes, you know, Kevin Lyman, founder of Warp Tour, he did an interview with uh, Billboard. One of the quotes that stuck out to me, he said, you know, I w- uh, he was speaking of the 2018 tour that's coming up. And he said, I want to go have fun. It hasn't been fun the last few years. Mm-hmm. That's how it's felt for me. Like, you know, in my dealings with Kevin and through AP and working with Warp Tour, these last three tours that just something about them it just hasn't been the same, same. you know the, yep the last warp tour i really that felt like a warp tour to me was the one i don't know if it was 2013 or 2014 but you know of mice and men were on it made a parade were on it falling reverse were on it yeah i think and, that was 2014 yeah that was the last time it really like echo smith were on it, i think um it, it was just like the last time it really felt warp tour to me yeah ever since then it's just been downhill yeah, it has. Um, 2013, Bring Me were on it. And right. I remember going to that one and watching their set. Like, I couldn't even see the stage. I was so far it back. Is kinda, that was, that was kind of like the last big boom one, I'd say. You know? You, I went to that Warp Tour and I was like, things are healthy. Things yeah. are good. 
And then 2014 happened, and that tour, you know, Loki, it was a disaster to start. And it didn't, about halfway through, uh, it didn't start taking off until Of Mice and Men hopped on. Because yep. they were at their peak at that moment. And everybody who worked for Warped Tour that year says Of, of Mice and Men saved, saved that fucking... It. When they got on it, all of a sudden, the crowd doubled. And everybody, it was just right when they were at their peak. And it was just sort of a symptom of it, you know. But, um, yeah, so it's interesting, too. Another thing to look at when we're thinking of Warped's demise is, like, Warped Tour used to break bands... And it's weird to think about, but like, think about Paramore. I think like Warped broke Paramore in a big Absolutely. way. Think about a day to remember. Warped Tour like broke a day to remember. Think about on a different level, like Bless the Fall. Warped Tour absolutely broke Bless the Fall. Like their 2007 run was legendary. It made them the band, you know, they became with Craig before he left. It's like, how long has it been since Warped Tour genuinely broke a band? Like, can you remember one? You just named off the last time they really <laughs> broke bands because. Honestly, man, 2013 looked like it was going to be a year that Let Live were going to break out. And that's the last yeah. band I can think of where we had that conversation about we're like, oh, Warp yeah, Tour like, was about to break another band. And we haven't like been. It. Yeah, it looked like, like it. And it we haven't had like that conversation Live. since. And Let Live just fell the fuck apart. For a minute man. there, it looked like Let Live, it was going to happen. They were going to get the main stage bump mm-hmm. and we were going to have another Under Oath or something. You know yep. what I mean? And it's just. I can't think of the last time Warp Tours really just broke a band. You know, Warp Tour played a big role over the years in breaking everyone from like Gwen Stefani, no doubt, you know, to like Eminem, you Eminem. know, Blink, mm-hmm. Fall Boy. Like Warped really used to break bands. And and I just I think that's another symptom of why Warp's going away and the the lack of success. They're not breaking bands anymore. Absolutely. And if you, you want to go a little deeper from first to last in Under Oath. Like, go watch those videos of them playing on, like, the Kevin Says stage and Sonny mm-hmm. Moore climbing up those little pillars. They Legendary. were packing out those fucking stages around them. It was insane to see and see Under Oath playing in 2003 on this super, super tiny stage. It's crazy to see what that tour did for bands. And then you hear about them talking in interviews about how they got bumped up to main stage and they were playing next to Thursday and they, they couldn't believe mm-hmm. it, what was happening to them at that point. And it was all because of this tour. So another big kind of problem, the average age of the tour was up to 19 years old. And it used to be 14 to 17. Right. And that really is the sweet spot of fandom. 14 to 17. I mean, that's your most dedicated fans. Those are the people mm-hmm. you want coming to your tour. They're going to they have their parents money. They're going to buy everything. The average age going up to 19, I think, was a was a very bad sign for Warp Tour because it's always been about the kids, you know, and, and, and it finally wasn't. Absolutely. And Kevin says in in that interview, he talks about how if you're not going to shows between 14 and 17, it's not ingrained in your system. You you know, you just it's you're more unlikely if you go if you start going to shows at 19 and beyond to get that itch, you know, the show itch. We all we, if you've listened to the show, if you're or if you've ever been a part of the scene, you you've probably had that show itch before. I used mm-hmm. to go to so many shows a year, and I, I mean, I'm just older now. We've got more priorities in life, but um, when I was a kid, that's all I wanted to fucking do was just go to shows every weekend, and if I could on weeknights, 
Um, it's heartbreaking. That I keep coming back to that word, but it's heartbreaking to watch <laughs> the scene fall apart this way. There's not a new generation coming in to save it. It's always been this cycle, you know. New kids were coming in. They were discovering the bands. Lower bands were getting a bigger push because more young kids were coming in, mm-hmm. paying attention. Nobody's paying attention anymore because the bands aren't there and the labels aren't signing the right ones and the music mm-hmm. sucks. And we could just go on and on and on about why it's the way yeah, it is, but it is. Kevin was very aware of that problem, mm-hmm. which I was surprised during the interview. You know, Kevin talks like these bigger scene bands disassociating themselves with the scene and with warp tour you know because they want to be perceived as cooler God, you know that quote think, man yeah like think bring me the horizon is your perfect example those dudes want to go be playing coachella now they don't want they're never going to play warp tour again you know and that it that's part of the reason your your, your biggest band you know warp tour helped build that band and make them who they are you know what i mean and now that they they, they would be the biggest headliner of warp tour they're not going to play anymore, you know? And it's not even just them. It's other bands. You that, have a lot yeah. of these smaller bands that get hype in the scene, and then they decide they want to go indie, you know? And then, But then they do it too early, and they fucking kill their careers. You know, they, they don't stay in the Warp Tour incubator for long enough, like some bands do. You know, Warp Tour can really be an incubator for your career. You look at a band like Of Mice and Men, who used it for that, and really just sort of blew up inside of it. And you have these indie bands that are, they start out as scene bands and they're like, oh, we want to be cool and be in Pitchfork. So we did one run on Warped Tour. Now we're going to go try this indie thing. And then those bands end up falling off modern baseball. Absolutely. And he says, I'm going to read this quote directly. Um, Kevin says, I always see bands in their early going say, quote, I don't want to tour with this band or, quote, I don't like that scene. Embrace everything you possibly can, okay? Mm-hmm. Embrace these bands. And I've seen these bands, the Law Disputes, the Balance and Composures, the Modern Baseballs. Those bands mm-hmm. have done very, very well on Warp Tour, but they say, oh, we don't want to be a part of that scene. Right. And then... I watch what happens with their crowds because they'll get hot for a bit and then they'll settle into this thing and they never get as big as they possibly should because they don't expose themselves to the maximum amount of people. I tell every single band Mm -hmm. that I work with to embrace everyone. You are not too cool for scene kids and other scene bands. That is such a bullshit mentality and it's one of the reasons why our scene is falling apart there's so many walls being built man i was glad kevin said that yes specifically because you think about like balance and composure they could have been the next brand new instead they don't fucking matter anymore and nobody buys their records because they just got you know their heads up their asses and they got way too cool cool for everyone yep you know um this interview left me feeling just sort of just bad for Kevin. He's just been dragged so much. And like, he talked about kind of how when there were problems on the tour, like all this drama that happens, artists used to come and talk to him about the problems. You know, he's got bus one parked in the same spot every day. Like he says, artists can always find him. And anybody who knows Kevin knows he's the nicest dude. You can Mm -hmm. always go talk to him. He's super approachable, even to fans, you know, and younger bands. I know plenty of younger bands who Kevin will talk to them every day. And and now instead of bands coming to him with their problems, like, oh, this happened on Warped Tour and I'm upset, 
these bands just go to Twitter and rant about it. Right. And, and blow up, you know, the news cycle. And, you know, it's like they're not respecting Kevin anymore. And it's like it's just it, it's gotten off the rails. And it's, it's so sad to see because Kevin's a good dude and he really does care about the scene. And he's done so much for it. He's given us Warped Tour, which was our life for so many years. Right. He's he's the, he wants to see bands succeed. He wants right. he wants Warp Tour to stay around. He I doesn't want to so shut many this down. Where he has gone out of his way to help bands succeed right. when they right. were doing everything they could to shoot themselves in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. From bands from any band, you know, from small bands to bands like from first to last, Kevin has always been there to help out. He wanted this this music community to thrive, and he did everything he could. He did do everything he could. I think that needs to be said, and I think people need to understand that. Um, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has bad judgment calls, and he admits it, too. He was learning over the last few years, and I think it just got too much for him, you know? It's this... This were our world that we live in is not in a good spot right now. And anyone who works in it can see it. And if someone tells you that it is good right now, they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's just so sad to see, man. We're yeah. we're just broadcasting the end at this point. So who do you think we might see on the final warp tour? So I think this isn't gonna be representative of where the scene is at. I think he's gonna pull out a lot of stops for this one. And um, as we saw Katy Perry tweet about Warp Tour this week from 2007, she posted on Instagram and Kevin tweeted her and he's like, we'll give you the exact same guarantee as 2007. I'll throw a barbecue party just for you. Just let me know what you want and we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's going to try. I think we're going to get stints of big bands throughout the yeah. entire tour i think we're gonna too, get too, it wouldn't too bad Katy perry sucks now and she would never do it because right? she's so out of touch with reality and she doesn't realize that could actually be a cool move for her career right. but yeah i think i definitely think you know we might see fall boy we could see blink on a couple dates paramore. we might see like the use definitely paramore i mean depends on how indie they're feeling that particular uh, day, you know, how pitchfork core they're feeling. But, you know, I think you're right. We'll see bigger bands. Not they're not going to be doing the full tour, but yeah. I think Kevin will make it special and he'll get, you know, some fan favorites, maybe an MCR reunion. No, I'm oh, shut the fuck up, man. Shut up. What makes this one different is the fact that they're not, they don't have a bottom line to make a certain amount of money to continue it to next year. You know, there yeah. isn't going to be a next year. So let's go all out. And I know I Matt and I know Kevin and we know how he works. And uh, we know that he's going to deliver this year on a on a really big lineup. And I can't like I'm not so sad about it because, you know, I'm older now. It's not for me anymore. Like I would be really sad if I was 15 or 16. Right. You know, like that. It meant so much to me then. It really like it, it was every summer. It was my life. It was so fun to go and take part in all the fun of Warp Tour. Right. I, I really genuinely loved it every summer and I looked forward to it. And I, what was your favorite Warp Tour, Tyler? Like, do you have a definitive one? So my first Warp Tour was 2013. It was way in. I'm sure if I would have gone back in the day, my favorite one would be 2006 when Under Oath dropped you, to Find the Great Line. Or You were late, though, to Warp Tour. You were listening to scene music, like, well the right, fuck before right. that. I couldn't find a fucking ride growing up, man. No one would take me. <laughs> that was the problem. I'd ask every summer. I'm like, who's going to Warp Tour? Nobody. Mm. No one I knew would go to Warp Tour. Um, I would say just 2013 because yeah. I seeing let live 
feeling mm-hmm. seeing that band that was the second time i saw him that year uh because i saw him on under oath farewell was that back in january was that after they had the under oath endorsement too yeah it was after the okay. under oath farewell tour so that was yeah that was my second time seeing them that year and it just felt like they were gonna pop the fuck off after that tour it felt like we were gonna get another big band and i loved being able to experience that firsthand i loved watching bring me the horizon from like two football fields away it just felt like it mattered man and every year since it has felt like it's mattered less and less and i went this summer and i could walk across i went to the chicago date and back in 2013 you know walking around everything seeing it all it could take you like a half an hour 45 minutes i could walk from one side of the park to the other this year in five minutes and see all that i wanted to see there's just there was nothing there the stages were so much closer together the everything was downsized and it was so sad to see and that you know we had bands like jewel vera which i'll say personally i love their new record but they were on a headlining stage and there was literally like 20 kids watching that band so it you're right the size had definitely shrunk um my favorite warp tour probably it's a toss-up between 06 or 07 you know i know 05 is the legendary one right right? mcr and fallout boy it's tough to compete with that, but personally, like, 06, you know, I saw Sil- Silverstein, Census Fail, Aiden, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus oh, up in here. Oh, shout shit. Shouts to when they mattered. Like, shout, dude, Face Down right. was popping off on the radio. Shouts it to was those two thing. years. Yep. I saw Every Time I Die. It was just a really fun year. And then also 07, I saw, um, on the same fucking stage, I, this same stage, I saw... Norma Jean, oh, Jim, Cla- Jim Class Heroes, nice. We the Kings, <laughs> and from first to last, oh, and then Chiodos. Oh no! All on the same stage. Like that was a good year. It was a good year. That's um, awesome. You know, I have this written on my notes. What do we think this means for the scene? I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's 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 a it's fucking bad. It's really bad. It's this is really a, this, bad. This is like the scene losing its it like if the scene is a solar system, warp tour is the sun, and we just lost our sun. It, yeah. it, it, it's bad. We lost our home for the summer, man. That's what it yep. comes down to. And bands aren't growing anyways, but we Warped Tour see. gave it a shot, man. We will see if a new one pops up. But we yeah. gotta move on, Tyler, to our next story, which is Fallout Boy. So Fallout Boy released a new song and video for Hold Me Tight or Don't from their new album Mania, which is still happening, by the way. Um, (laughs) What did you think of this song, Tyler? I don't like it. Okay. I feel like altogether it's maybe a passable, like a, a passable deep cut from American Beauty, American Psycho, but for it to be a single off of an album that, we just gave them so much more fucking time to complete. This is a mm-hmm. major disappointment, man. Like we gave them space. They asked for <laughs> they asked for time and we graciously gave it to them. We didn't complain about it, you know? We were thinking the singles were pretty bad anyways. Okay, you take your time. You write you write you go write some Fallout Boy bangers. This is not it, man. This is like a okay. Jamaican-y kind of dance beat thing and lyrically <sighs> Every time Patrick says stuffing in this song, I just think of the food <laughs> and I, I can't 
get over his the the stuttering he does in the chorus and the na na nas it's everything just falls apart the hook isn't there i will say the one redeeming factor i took out of this was um the pre-chorus lyric i took too many hits off this memory i need to come down that is classic fallout boy line classic to me, fallout boy. To me that is going in the hall of fame of fallout boy lines 100 i love agree. that line and it's a so and it's such a rebound off of that bullshit that we had on the last single so yeah i i love that lyric too okay so i'll tell you what happened here is fallout boy fucking took a trip to havana and <laughs> they are cashing in on this latin pop craze. Yep. i couldn't even yep. believe how how uh, how contrived it was um they are told it's Despacito took off mm-hmm. and you know we told you watch out there's gonna be 100 Despacito copycats Havana came and is now the biggest song in the world and there's gonna be a million Havana copycats and here come fucking Fallout Boy with a Latin pop infused song you know with a fucking Dia de los Muertos video and Santana <laughs> vibes all over the place oh my god it's, I didn't even see and, the video yeah, and it's toward Day of the Dead all the way. And so shallow as it may be, I kind of like it. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I, the na 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 nas, like party jam, it got stuck in my head. Um, I, I'm kind of sitting at like a seven and a half out of ten. Oh, my God. No, I'm at like yeah. a four and a half. I don't know if it, if it's the if this it's this just I'm I'm in on the Latin pop thing right now, man. But like I had fun with the song. Like oh I don't my know. God, have you it, ever seen it, this? Have you ever seen the Social Network, the movie? I love that movie. So the scene where they're at that party and it's like a Jamaican party or whatever. I can't remember exactly what a, it was. It's a Hawaiian party. It's a Hawaiian party where they're showing a backdrop of Niagara Falls and it has yes. nothing to do with it. There's a song playing in the background. This is what that song is playing. <laughs> it's such <laughs> contrived bullshit, and I am so pissed well, at Fallout Boy right now. How many times right did you listen to it? Like five or six. Okay. I listened to it like four or five. It, it grew on me. Like I didn't like it the first time, but yeah, um, it's just a fun party jam. The na na nas work for me. Um, I just it, think it's funny a bad thing, song. Spotify busted on its own. My Spotify has become sentient. Apparently, when the song was done playing. <laughs> Spotify busted into sugar. And, oh, and, man. And, yeah, it just busted right into sugar, and I let it play all the way through. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just laid back and listened. I would have, too. I need to clean my ears out after I hear this song. Yeah, so that was, thanks. Thanks for that, Spotify. That was weird. Um, that was me that song. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like that lyric, and I like, he kind of caps off by saying, I got too high again, realized I can't not be with you. It's mm-hmm. like he's talking about a girl, I think. You know, I think Pete's writing about a girl pretty clearly here. Is this drug? You know, he's taking too many hits of his memories with her. And I wonder which girl it is. Is it Ashley Simpson? Is it Rexa? Oh I didn't God. say that. Who was it? Uh, <laughs> oh, um, I did not. This song is not good enough to care, man. All right, man. Well, you have fun not caring, and we will move on to our next story, which is Paramore. I have a feeling you're going to care a lot about this, Tyler. <laughs> Paramore <laughs> dropped a new music video for Fake Happy. This is the second single from After Laughter. Um, uh, what do you think of this one, Tyler? This was a pretty interesting video. Mm-hmm. I I can't stand the song. I said it when we reviewed the album on the show. Still don't like it. It's not having success at alt radio. It's just stalled around number 30, and it's not picking up any steam. It dropped to 32 this week. This video, I like the idea. Haley's yeah. like a really interesting figure in here, and I think it really fits the vibe of the album, even though I don't like the vibe of the album. I think it's accurate. 
What did you think of the video, man? The video was pretty boring to me. Um, oh, really? I like I like Haley's shimmering suit. Right. I mean, I'll just I'll watch Haley do anything. She's <laughs> Same. Visually striking, and she's <laughs> Haley, and she's a god. You know, I mean, I I I liked her suit. I thought Haley was fun. Her energy, and I actually like Fake Happy as a song. I think that chorus it booms. But you know, like you said, it's uh, it's sitting at like thirty two on alt radio right now. It's not. It's this is their second single after Hard Times. This is the song they've chosen to push, and it's it's sitting at thirty two on alt radio. The album After Laughter has only moved 113,000 copies so far, which for a band like Paramore, you know, who went platinum last time and won Grammys, that that's very sad. They're playing small theaters. This song is only at 13 million Spotify plays compared to Hard Times, which has 64 million Spotify plays. So mm-hmm. it's just the success is not happening. And um, it's very unfortunate. You know, I um, I noticed, I also, I ran random thing, but I noticed in the video, Haley walks by a basketball court that Chris Brown once played at. Really? How, how the hell did <laughs> you know random. that? Uh, good eyes. Good eyes, but, um, man. Yeah, I would have never caught that. So as Paramore fails, Haley has pivoted into the hair dye business. <laughs> and she's doing really fucking well. And yep. I think this was a smart pivot because... It's got her on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Did you see that? I didn't see it until you mentioned it to me uh, when we were going over our notes for the show. That mm-hmm. is pretty fucking crazy, man. I mean, you, you can just see how it works. A Haley Williams hair dye company. It's I like mean, a no brainer. You know, she, like she's raking it in. Uh-huh. And it's like now as Paramore fails more and plays smaller shows and sells less records, pivot more like Haley Williams pivot lipstick. More. Haley Williams, you know, blush Haley Williams, you know what I mean? Just do it all. Like the brand of Haley Williams, I think girls will want to buy whatever fucking product she sells, you know, and just the Haley Williams beauty company. It'll be huge. Do you think as she pivots more towards a businesswoman, does that open the door more for solo Haley Williams? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that musically, but, you know, I Forbes she must be making a lot of fucking money I off know, this because Forbes is not putting her on that list and sh- unless she's making a lot of money. And the one thing we know she didn't make money off of is Paramore this year. Right. She didn't make any money off fucking Paramore. Right. You know, the label has probably not even recouped, you know, what they spent yet on all these videos and this rollout. So that hair dye company, it must be fucking pulling for her. She must be bringing in the cash, which shouts to Haley, she deserves it, you know? Totally. She's living in the same house in Nashville, like, forever. Like, it's time for her to upgrade, you know? Yeah. She gonna go to L.A.? I don't know. Maybe she deserves it. Um, Okay, let's move on to our next story, which is Sleeping with with Sirens. They released a Christmas song called Christmas on the Road, and it's the holidays, baby. I'm stoked. It is the holidays, man. And um, I'm happy. I like this time of year. It's I Christmas, do too. I do too. Yes. I like I like when bands do this shit. I like it. It's cheesy, but I like it. I liked but, it so much better five years ago when they released I, a Halloween song called Dead Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> but I got to tell you, uh, this song, there's nothing inventive here. It's just boring and I was disappointed. Hell, I was very disappointed in myself for getting excited about good. it. Potentially being good. Be. Because, <laughs> you, you know, be. like, bands used to be really good at this. Like, bands used to do this on comps and shit. Remember, like... Name from me first, From first to last, put out Chris Massacre. Like, Chris Massacre, which is just a fucking amazing Christmas song. You know, they put out 12 Days of XXXmas. Like, August Burns Red doing Carols of the, Carols of the Bells. You know, like, bands <sighs> right. just used to fucking crush 
these Christmas Christmas songs, bands used to be good at it, and they're not anymore. And random fact about from first to last Chris Massacre, Chris Massacre all they're doing in that song is shouting Pete Wentz's phone number over and over again, which is hilarious <laughs> for a Christmas song to have those lyrics. Um, oh my god, yeah. that's awesome. So it just bums me out, because bands used to be really good at this. They used to drop these cool Christmas songs on comps, and now it's like Sleeping with Sirens, this just feels like a b-side from the record you know they recorded while they were in the studio with david bendeth and it just sounds like super cheesy and lame absolutely so what this what this is is part of the christmas album dump and it's time to capitalize on christmas man because all the major labels dropped a bunch of christmas albums this week uh pentatonix released one sia released one um that's ridiculous sleeping with sirens came out with this song there's a couple more that i'm forgetting off the top of my head it's time to capitalize dude this though isn't gonna capitalize like no one's gonna care you know what i mean like it's gonna get a cup it's gonna does it break 200,000 streams on Spotify, no you know? No fucking way, Maybe. man. Like, you but know, like, they're not going to make money to, off this. No, like, but what it comes down to is that they were sitting in a fucking boardroom at Warner Brothers Records, and they were like, oh, you're on a major label? You're going to make a Christmas song. Little did they know sense. that they don't understand their fucking demographic, and no one is going to care. It does make sense. And they could have made a good Christmas song, but they, they chose to make Christmas on the Road, which no one will ever remember. You know, and the band right now, like Legends, is sitting at number 18 on alt radio. So middling alt radio success. It's not but a the hit. Record, yeah, it's not a hit. The record's only sold 16,000 copies. So, you know, think, <laughs> just think about that for a second. Dude. Like, that's where they are. You know, Warner oh Brothers can't God. be happy about that. Twisting the knife. That's what you're doing right Their there, Their last man. record did 35K first week. Warner's like, why is your total at 16K? Uh, Yeah, they're getting dropped, dude. It's not going to last. I'm totally down. Let's drop them. Sleeping with Sirens is canceled. Let's move on to our next story, which is Bring Me the Horizon. Bring Me the Horizon are releasing a best of compilation. Well, best of compilation was announced for Bring Me the Horizon. Mm -hmm. And it's important to point out that this compilation is not endorsed by the band really anyway. Like, they're not promoting it or selling it. This is Epitaph Records, the band's old label, are putting out a compilation of all of the best music Bring Me put out while on Epitaph Records. And this is basically just a blatant cash grab by Epitaph. I don't no. think I I don't think there's ever been a more blatant move <laughs> I mean, for for money from a label because so perspective bring me the horizon signed to Columbia for the release of that's the spirit and they left Epitaph after Sempaternal. Um something interesting and you and I were talking about it right before we started recording the show they released those first few EPs on Earache and Visible Noise. So Epitaph must have bought those songs. It was probably part of the signing deal was that they got all the old material. Right. It, it, it happens sometimes. So mm-hmm. we're talking this compilation will include everything from 04 to 2013, I believe it said. So we're talking from their first EP, Edge Your Seat, to Count Your Blessings, to Suicide, to Hell, Sempaternal all that stuff on one compilation that you will not see the band tweet about once because no, 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 they're probably not, you know, they, they probably don't support this release. They don't want this music, you know, coming out at this point in their career when they've pivoted away from it. But like, I don't blame Epitaph. Do you bl- as a business strategy? No, not at all. The band man. are bigger than they've ever been. It, it kind of makes sense for Epitaph to do it. Makes sense to lead a release with traitors. Never play hangman. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I, it'll be interesting to see like how well it performs like without I, really pushing it you no. know and only epitaph no one fucking knows that's the problem it didn't get a press cycle no one it knows didn't? that this is happening like i mean no got, websites posted about it did they i was i mean i was just reading about it on metal hammer okay so the metal blogs posted about it i didn't see ap post about it i didn't see rock sound post about it um ap didn't post about it huh I don't think so. I might have missed it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to sell like 5,000, maybe, if that. That's yeah, what it, I'm saying. It um, all depends. It does, but I just don't think it's going to get any push whatsoever. And Epitaph's reach it's is just Because kids have been missing this old shit. You know, we saw that video of, you know, Ollie doing uh, Pray for Plagues and the shit just went off. You know what I mean? Kids oh. kind of miss this old shit. So it, it is kind of a smart time to be giving this as sort of an ancillary product for the, the bring me fans to consume, you know, while yeah. they're dealing with the band growing and changing. But it's not a reissue of any of those releases. It's just a greatest hits album. And if you right. want to go listen to these songs, just pull up Spotify. They're all on there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my feeling on music in general. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why anyone buys anything, but you know, this is a little different. There's nothing yeah. special about this release. There isn't any unreleased tracks. They're all available on streaming. There's nothing new. <laughs> you think Brett from Bad Religion ever thought he'd be doing cash grabs? I mean, shouts. <laughs> like, shouts to Epitaph for doing cash grabs. I mean, that's fine, you know? Like, that label has got to not be doing that well, right? I mean, who's their biggest band right now? Falling in Yep. And that record is not doing great. I mean, what... What's it at right now? 30,000 copies if, or something? If that, yeah, if that. 30, maybe 30. I mean, what else do they got going on? I know they, they really don't, they really just bit on that Joyce Manor title fight bullshit hard, and you can tell that, that that's going to hurt them. It's just fucking over, man. They title fight was they, so Epinef 2013. Bit on emo revival so hard, and they thought that these bands were going to carry them, and I think yep. they've lost a lot of as a result and that's a shame because epitaph used to be a huge fucking just powerhouse label right and you know they're kind of not we saw that you know with their partnership with the day to remember didn't exactly wasn't the perfect partnership for adtr releasing bad vibrations yep and i've heard quite a and few it didn't things. work for sleeping either you know with uh madness yeah Although there's a reason they why they left gotta say epitaph did a better job than warner brothers i mean epitaph had a little bit more to work with but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay i don't, I don't um, know if i can talk about that album anymore man <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah man never it's okay man we never have to go there again don't never worry. have to we, it's done it, it already happened yep. it's out it's garbage it's done okay Let's move on uh, to our pop story this week. Shouts to Nick. Um, Selena Gomez <laughs> dropped her video for Wolves, her new collaboration with Marshmallow. Um, first, we didn't really get to talk about this song yet, Tyler, so I want to talk about the song first. Cool. What are your thoughts on Gomez and Marshmallow's collaboration, Wolves? Banger Nation, man. <laughs> this... I wasn't feeling this much elation about this song when it very first came out. I loved it right off the bat, but I didn't love it this much. Like, this is creeping into my songs of the year list, and I really, really think it's going to be a hit. It has been added to so many fucking radio top 40 rotation lists, and the ind they are really pushing this song. Um, and I think it's going to be a hit, and I think it's really going to put Marshmallow on everyone's radar. 
And if you listen to the episode over the summer, I shouted him out. I knew this dude was going to be special. If you go back, you can listen to... He kind of came up alongside Skrillex. Sonny kind of infamously shouted Marshmallow out in his interview with Katie Couric. And ever since then, Marshmallow has he just sounds been blown very, up. Marshmallow sounds very early Skrillex influence. Like he yes, definitely owned a copy of Scary Monsters. Yes, I mean they were bros when that happened. They knew, you know, they knew each other, so it makes sense that he's he's been able to capitalize off that wave. But he does it in a different way. And when you hear a Marshmallow song, you know it's him. It's kind of like when you hear a Dance Gavin Dance song, you know it's Dance Gavin Dance. And I think having that signature in EDM is very special because a lot of edm can blend together but marshmallow's just special man he's got something going on and this song is fantastic but what do you think of the song man um it's interesting so you obviously came at it full speed at the marshmallow angle which i think is cool because i think marshmallow's dope Mm -hmm. um he's got the big hit right now is it silence what it's called yep with Callie. yeah that's crushing it you know Mm -hmm. and and now he pairs but i i kind of look at it more from the selena angle like okay it's interesting to me because, you know, I, I didn't like Selena for a very long time as a singer. And I've just sort of came around. her. It was that It Ain't Me track that like really won me over. It was mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs of 2016. And that was her. Selena has been struggling to find like her perfect spot in the pop atmosphere. And in that situation, she paired up with Kygo, uh, you know, an EDM DJ. And mm-hmm. it worked out really well. So what we're seeing is here Selena's doing the same thing. Like, I'm going to pair myself with an EDM DJ of note, Marshmallow, and see how it goes. And uh, it seems to be working. I like the song. Um, I don't know if I'd go as far as a banger nation like you. <laughs> um, I'm at like a 7.3 out of 10. It's, it's, um, it's, it's very enjoyable, you know? Um, I like it. Not a lot of substance, but it is definitely good. Did you watch the video? I did watch the video, and it is a very seductive music video. But um, yeah. I'm kind of bummed there was no marshmallow appearance. You, okay, so you must have not watched the end because there there oh, is a marshmallow. Does appearance. he show up at the end? You see, which I I actually thought this was really cool. Is um, it zooms out from Selena at the end of the video, and they go to the pool, and the marshmallow head is just floating at the bottom of the pool. Oh, and I, I like that. I think that's cool that he's not shoved into the video. You know, it's just very subtle. Like, I liked it. I thought that was like a slick move to just kind of like the marshmallow head was just upside down floating in the pool the whole time. Man. But, uh, so I'm watching it right now. That's just creepy. Yeah. It's cool, though. It's <laughs> subtle. Yeah, rather than have him in the corner the whole time while she's there looking all sexy. For sure. Cre- for sure. He's just creepy in the corner. I think it's subtle and cool for him to do that. You know, whereas yeah. Dead Mouse would have been like hopping all over the fucking you know, right. swimming in the pool doing laps. Like, Marshmallow is cool enough to, like, be low-key about it, you know, so, and let it yeah. kind of shine. But um, another thing I noticed in the video was her clutching her stomach a lot, which I thought uh-huh. was really interesting because she just, you know, had that surgery mm-hmm. on her stomach and showed her scar and everything, and I thought that was just interesting to see her communicating that in the music video. Yeah, she's been through a lot this year, and... I'm happy for her that she's having so much success yeah, this year. Absolutely. This has definitely been like the biggest year of her career musically, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had the hit with uh, I Want to Look Good for You. Like that was her first like legitimate big hit, I'd say. Right. And and then she had the smash with Kygo. And now she had this song. I don't know if it's going to become a smash, but, you know, it's getting traction for sure. I got a question for you, though. Okay. Who is better, Selena Gomez or Haley Steinfeld? Ooh, 
See, that's tough. I like. There's a, there's a reason I asked because okay. I think they're similar artists, right? Mm-hmm. Both of their singles come out. It just came out at the same time. Uh, Steinfeld's is Let Me Go. And they both do the same thing. You know, they're both these singers who they don't really sell a lot of records, um, but they have very good voices and they they hop on over EDM DJs for songs and they have these big hits. And um, Gomez right now is at number 20 on pop radio and Steinfeld is at number 23 with her song. Who do you think is better? Oh, see, that's so tough. I honestly like more Haley Steinfeld songs than yeah. I do Selena songs, but I like this Selena song better than any Haley song. So really, yeah. So, you like it better than "Let Me Go," the current I Haley do. single. Yep, I think it. I just think it's a better song, um, hmm. and I think it's going to have a lot more success than that song. But they're close. They're, they're close. They're close. Twenty and twenty-three. They're right, close right, right now, there. but I think this one's going to shoot up, and that one's going to stall out around twenty. They're very, they're very similar to me. They are, but I think this one's executed so much better, mm. and uh, the fact that the artwork is so wrong makes me like the song <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah, it's just a cheesy kind of sweatshirt design that you see people wearing at like county fairs with wolves yeah. on it and the moon in the background and then you got fucking marshmallow just like peering over into the distance and it's just uh, it's just hilarious. But um yeah, I like this song better than any Haley song and I think it's going to have more success yeah. than her current single. Yeah, so Selena's gearing up for I think it's LP3, you know, like this is right. they're trying to make a single catch, which mm-hmm. it's almost weird they didn't do it after the Kygo single hit off and ain't me cuz like you're the at that moment, but I they I just I don't think they knew that that was going to work as well it did so they weren't ready so right. now they're gonna try to do it again with marshmallow and once the single hit takes off that's probably when you'll get the selena gomez album announcement and um, we might see her actually like move some units who knows you know are we gonna while we're talking about selena are we gonna address the elephant in the room are we gonna talk about beebs <laughs> are we gonna talk are we gonna go there <laughs> no, no man we can't go there we just okay. had this conversation right. we gotta next cut story. the pop story next story, <laughs> next story. <laughs> next story. <laughs> all right um all time low played their song good times on TRL, which is back on TV, yo. What did you think of their performance on TRL, Tyler Sharp? I couldn't tell you because I fell asleep. <laughs> this is just sad to see All Time Low fall so hard. This is the most boring performance I've ever seen. I don't think Alex has his eyes open once throughout the entire song. Um, he's got this constant 5 o'clock shadow that he refuses to get rid of. And the song is just boring as hell, man. This isn't a banger. They need a banger. And obviously, like we talked about, the album was a flop. It dropped over 60% in first week sales, I think it was. And I will just say, getting a gig on the reboot of TRL isn't the greatest thing in the world, like it may sound like, because performances on the new TRL have not been received well at all. No. Um, You know what it is, is TRL reboot, TRL 2.0, just isn't happening it's not you know what i mean it's just all, kids man. just don't give a shit like you know when trl was a thing people gave a shit yeah i watched it every day when i was a kid it yep. mattered we all knew the reboot was gonna matter because nobody watches <laughs> mtv anymore you know what i mean and and this all-time low song sucks like you said good times it's just boring and to, to show you how little it matters on youtube this this performance has two thousand seven hundred views oh my you know, god like, that's not even worthy of the trl name trl name you know what i'm saying and so the band are in this spot where like renegades has only sold forty thousand copies you know which is 
pretty terrible when you think about it. Future Hearts Good did t- 80,000 first week. Right. And this, this record has, you know, limped to sell 40,000 copies on a major label, you know, Feel by Ramen. And the rent the good times, which was for whatever reason they got behind that as their single, it's dropped off the charts now. It's gone. It's, it's been off for found. a while, yeah. man. It's been off for what, a while. What, why was that the single? I, why why in the first place did they even choose to push that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it just nothing about this makes sense. It's such a fucking hot mess, and it's just a representation of where the scene is at. Like if you just watch all time lows year in 2017, it's just like oh well, it makes sense that the scene's going down harder than the Titanic did we are, we are chronicling the end my friends um real quick tyler before we go real friends dropped a new standalone single called get by i just want to know quickly what you think of it i really like it and this is oh. the first time i've liked a real friends song since the last ep came out they went to la to write new music i don't know where this was written but i'm pretty sure they hooked up with some people who got helped them get their shit together and this is this was really fun to be excited about real friends again i like dan's raspy voice i think musically that riff is there and it feels fresh i like it where are you at with it? Uh, this song bored the fuck out of me. Oh, it sounds no. like a B-side from the home inside my head that they no. just saved and they dropped it to promote their upcoming tour. 5.5 out of 10. The song sucks. Wow. I'm at a 7.5. Yeah. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for the show this week. We will see you next time. If you have any questions, send them in to notescene at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars and we will love you.